0: Hey, if you've just joined us, either on a screen or outside or here in the worship center, again, welcome. This is the end of our Reach Week, Sunday number two. And uh, we've saved a treat for the end here as we have a special guest speaker this morning. And I want to give a huge thanks to uh, Curtis and Karen Yates, who are Calvary members and are friends with our guest speaker who helped even arrange for today to happen. But our speaker today is David Platt. And David's going to be joining us via video today as we arrange these Sundays months in advance. And back in December, we were hoping maybe we could meet in person during this Sunday, but we didn't really have an idea. So we were able to work with David to film this message directly to us, Calvary Church, from his pulpit at McLean Bible Church in the greater greater, uh, Washington DC metro area. Uh, David is the senior pastor of McLean Bible Church, a historic church back east. Uh, Before that, he was the youngest lead pastor of a mega church. At the age of 26, he took over as a senior pastor in the wonderful state of Alabama. Roll Tide. And uh, was there for several years. It was during his time in Alabama that he wrote a book called Radical, which I know many of you have read. Read. In fact, there's a new book that he has out called Something Needs to Change, and we're going to have that in the courtyard available if anybody wants to purchase that uh, today. So, David was a senior pastor at the age of 26. He's married to uh, his wife Heather. They have four kids. You can even pray for this during the message. They're in the process of adopting their fifth child, a little four year old boy named JD from overseas. And so, during the pandemic, there's been some snags on that. So, pray that they can be united with their fifth child pretty soon here. Uh, After pastoring McLean Bible Church, David went to LEAD IMB, which maybe you're not familiar with, but if you have any background in the Southern Baptist uh, Conference Convention, you're familiar with those words. That's the International Mission Board. One of the largest mission sending agencies in the globe. So David headed that up before landing in the D.C. area uh, at McLean. And so we're so thankful to have him uh, today. Here's how I describe David. David. He is a holy agitator. (laughs) He's going to push and press you a little bit today. Which is right in line with our theme, right? The theme of vessels is that God form us, fill us and then pour us out. And so in the process of the great potter shaping the clay, there's some pushing and pressing that needs to take place in order for us to be prepared to be vessels. And you are going to feel that Today, And I think that's what we need. You see, this last year, our worlds have become very small. Rightfully so, right? We've been told they have to be small. We can't leave our house or our neighborhood or, or so to speak. But I think our concern pastorally for our church is that our small worlds would then inhibit or distract us from carrying God's mission to the greater world. And so David's message today will reignite you to see the bigger world. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word that we'll read today in the gospel of Matthew and Romans and and Revelation. God, would you use your word and David's word to shape us, form, fill, and pour us out. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Check out the screens.
1: If you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does you can look on with, let me invite you to open with me to Matthew chapter 28. We'll actually be in a, a couple of other places as well, but we'll start in Matthew 28. And while you're turning there, uh, I just want to say how thankful I am to be a part of this Reach Week at Calvary Church. My name is David Platt, and I have heard much about God's grace in you as a church, specifically the rich legacy of work around the world flowing from your church family, when I think about Cameron Townsend, the founder of Wycliffe, being a member of your church, to 90 plus missionaries serving in countries around the world that you are supporting, it's it's awesome to consider how God's glory is resounding far from where you are gathered, Right now, at least most of you, obviously, we are virtual now. I wish I could be there in person, but even to think about this theme for this week, when I think about vessels in Isaiah 64 6, you as a church are a testimony to what God does when we put ourselves in His hands and we say, use us for your purposes. And that's exactly what I, I want to encourage you in in the next few minutes, I wanna encourage you in a fresh way today to put your life and together, your church in God's hands and say, use us for your purposes. I've prayed that even the next few minutes, God might shift, alter, change, reorient the trajectory of many lives. Not not based on what I am saying, or based on what God says through his word by his spirit in the next few minutes. So let me pray toward that end. God, I, I know this is an unusual scene with so many people gathered virtually, some in person at different places, but God I I thank you for how you've ordained this moment to speak your word to not just this church, Calvary Church there in Santa Ana, but to individual sons and daughters of yours in your hands. And I I pray that in the next few minutes you would form each of us according to your purposes for our lives. I pray that you would work in the next few minutes in a way that resounds to your glory among the nations in the days ahead. So with great anticipation, we open your word and ask you to speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm actually gonna put up here on... The screen, uh, these passages we look at, and some things that I want to walk through because I, I got a lot I want to cover in a little bit of time. Uh, so, I want to talk about the goal of God and the goal of your life. And in order to kind of unpack that, I'm going to walk, I'm going to put one statement on the table from the very beginning, and then I want to walk through five truths and then close with three applications. So, if you're uh, doing the math, that's nine points in like 30 minutes or 25 or so minutes from now. So, so here we go. We got a lot to cover. Let's start where we need to start with God's word. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Great Commission, Jesus' last words to his disciples before he left the earth. Then I I wanna jump forward to Romans chapter 15. So Romans chapter 15, verse 18. This is Paul writing and recounting his ministry and what he has done. He says, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me him, never been told of Christ, will see. Those who've never heard of Christ will understand. This is the reason why I've often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. So we're going to come back to that in a minute. So that's Romans 15, last place, and I want to Read is from Revelation chapter seven, verses nine and 10. This is where all of history, all of eternity is headed. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So what I wanna do is, is tie those three texts together with this one statement, five truths, and three applications or encouragements or exhortations at the end. So let's start with a statement. Here's the statement. To be a disciple of Jesus is to let his global cause dictate everything you think desire and do. So that's a loaded statement. And I, want, I want, want to put on the table why I would say this. And it's based totally on what Jesus said to his disciples before he left the earth. He says to his disciples, go and make disciples of all the nations. That means that to be a disciple is to give your life to making disciples of all the nations. This is not an optional command for a few. This is a clear command for every disciple of Jesus. And I think it's obvious to all of us how we have diluted what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. We have created a whole cultural Christianity where to be a disciple of Jesus is to come Be baptized and sit in one location, not go baptize and make disciples in all nations. And there are so many professing followers of Jesus who are not living to make disciples of the nations, and I am submitting from the very beginning here that every follower of Jesus lives to make disciples of all the nations. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to let his global cause, great commission, Dictate the way we live, the way we think, what we desire, and what we do. No matter how old we are, from the youngest to the oldest, no matter what gifts we have, no matter whether we're single or married or married with a couple kids, married with 10 kids, or anywhere in between, whatever it might be, whatever our job is, wherever we live. To be a disciple of Jesus is to let his global cause, like we wake up every morning with this global cause driving, dictating us. Everything we think, desire, and do is for the global cause of Christ. So that feels like a bold statement, which leads me then into these five truths. So I wanna show you why I would make that statement. So I'm gonna put these five truths up here. Again, we're gonna go through them pretty quick, so that's why I'm gonna leave them up here so you can see them all together. So here's the first truth. Number one, the end goal of God is his glory known and enjoyed among all the nations. So if we had time, we could walk from cover to cover through the Bible and show you that from Genesis chapter one all the way to Revelation chapter 22, what is driving God According to his own plan and providence is the spread of his glory among all the nations. God creates man in his image for his glory. God is reconciling people from all nations to himself through the blood of his son, through the gospel. Jesus died, Revelation chapter five, verse nine and 10, to purchase people for God from every nation and tribe and tongue and language. We just read Revelation chapter seven, verse nine and 10. All of history is headed toward the day when a multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, language will gather around the throne of God singing praises to him. That's where all history is headed. That's the end goal of God. His glory known and enjoyed among all the nations. Now when we mention nations here, I should specify we're not just talking geopolitical entities like countries like 200 or so united nations we might think of today because that's not what the bible means when we see nations in matthew chapter 28 verse 19 when jesus said go make disciples of all the nations the word he uses there is ethnē it's a word from which we get ethnic groups which is why you see in revelation chapter 7 nations tribes peoples languages all throughout scripture we see different words to describe clans, peoples, ethnicities. So think people groups, that's what we commonly talk about today, and it makes sense. Like the United States is one nation, but there are so many different people groups representing the United States. I think about the city where I live, Metro Washington, D.C., we have so many different nations. We have 100 plus countries, even in the church that I pastor, and then beyond that, even, I think about brothers and sisters in our church from India. Like, you go to India, there is a, wide diversity of people groups in India. Not everybody in India has the same language, cultural background, and so this is where, when anthropologists and missiologists have looked at the world, they've identified, some say over 11,000, some say over 16,000 distinct people groups, nations, tribes, tongues, people who share common language, cultural characteristics. So when we think about Revelation chapter seven, The picture is every single ethnicity, nation, tribe, tongue, people, however you group the peoples, they'll all be represented around the throne on that day. And Jesus has said in Matthew chapter 28, go and make disciples of all of them. We'll come back to that in a minute. The whole picture though is God desires his glory to be known and enjoyed among them all. God is worthy of glory, not just among one type of people or a few, types of people. God is worthy of glory from 16,000 different people groups. He deserves all of their glory. That's his goal, for his glory to be known and enjoyed by all of them, by men and women from every tribe and tongue and people and language nation. So that's truth number one. Truth number two, if that's the end goal of God, then the end goal of every Christian and every church is the spread of God's glory among all the nations. So if God's goal in history is men and women from every nation, tribe, tongue, people reconciled to himself, then that's our goal because we're the people of God. So I would just ask you, is that your goal in life? What drives you? You wanna see every nation, tribe, tongue, and people worshiping God. If that's not your goal, and it is God's goal, then whose goal needs to change? His goal's not changing. Our goals need to align with our God's goals. And if this is what he is orchestrating all history for, then this is what our lives are for in history, on this earth right now. This is all of us, every Christian. This is where I'm, so much we could say here, but if we're not careful, we can compartmentalize mission, global mission, into an optional program here in the church for a select few people who are called to that. Like, What in the world are we thinking? We've taken the, the goal of God in history and we've made it an optional program for a few people in the church? Like, No. The goal of God in history is the goal of every single follower of Jesus. I'll give you an illustration of this in my own life where this really came to a head. I remember when I was in seminary, So I would graduated college, gone to seminary, and I started learning more and more about the need for the spread of the gospel among nations where people have not heard the name of Jesus, like Romans 15 talks about, and started seeing in Scripture from cover to cover, God's zeal for his glory among all the nations. Well, it just became uh, obvious to me at that point, well, then I need to be a missionary and go take the gospel to another place, and so, I remember when I was in seminary, one particular day, the president of an international missions organization was coming to uh, our campus to to preach in chapel, and I was invited to take him to breakfast that morning. And so I got together with my wife the night before, and I said, Heather, I'm taking this, leader of this international missions organization tomorrow to breakfast. Uh, I think I'm gonna tell them we're ready to go. Is that okay with you? And she, said, yeah, that's okay with me. So we prayed about it that night. Said, all right, this is our moment where we're gonna start our track to go as missionaries to a place where the gospel's not yet gone. And I sit down the next morning for breakfast, go off there, Heather and I pray. I go off to breakfast and I sit down with him and just start sharing my heart. I see this in the word. I see the need in the world. We're ready to go. So what do we do? And this brother looked back at me and for about 60 seconds encouraged me in what I had just said, and then he spent the rest of breakfast talking to me about the need for pastors to shepherd churches where the gospel has gone for the spread of the gospel to places where it hasn't gone. He talked to me about the need for pastors where the gospel has gone, and I was so confused. I remember I went home that night, and Heather was like, how did it go? And I looked back at her and I said, I think the president of this missions organization just talked to me out of becoming a missionary. And my wife, Heather, she was so disappointed. Like, I mean, what'd you do? Like I'd blown it or something. Uh, but I remember, as I started processing that conversation, I remember what that conversation did for me that day was it created a category in my mind that I don't think was there before. So here's the category. So there's a type of person who is passionate about, like zealous for the spread of the gospel to all the nations, but who doesn't become a missionary. And the more I thought about it, I realized, well, of course there's that category. It's called a Christian, right? Think about it. I thought, well, if you're passionate, zealous for the spread of the gospel among the nations, that means you should be a missionary. Well, what does that mean for everybody else? That every other Christian is not passionate about, zealous for the accomplishment of God's purpose in the world? No, every Christian should be passionate about, zealous for the spread of the gospel to all the nations. Why would I say that? Well, think, you're a Christian. Do you have the spirit of Christ in you? Because the Spirit of Christ wants the world for Christ. The Spirit of Christ wants the nations for Christ. And if he dwells in you, then your heart beats for the nations to know the glory of God, to know the love of Jesus. You're zealous for that. You're passionate about that. So that's what I'm saying here. The end goal of every Christian and every church. So We don't just live for the spread of the gospel right around us. Yes, right around us where God has put us, but we have been given a command to make disciples of all the nations To see the gospel go to the ends of the earth, every Christian and every church should be driven by this. This means every Christian should have zeal for the spread of the gospel of the nations, and every church should have a heartbeat, a zeal, a passion to see God's glory spread to the ends of the earth among all the nations. That's truth number two, which leads to truth number three. The means for accomplishing this goal is the Great Commission. Making disciples and multiplying churches. So how will the glory of God spread to all the nations? And Jesus tells us how in Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples. So lead other people to become disciples of Jesus, who will lead other people to become disciples of Jesus, who will lead other, and on and on and on. And I put multiplying churches here because that's the picture we see in the New Testament. Disciples of Jesus come together in churches, and they send out disciples to spread the gospel to other places where there are no disciples, and they gather together in churches there, and they spread out and send more people. That's what we see happening in the book of Acts. Let me show you a a map up here on the screen. This is a map depicting what happened in Acts chapter 13. So in Acts chapter 13, right here in uh, Antioch, what happens is the church gets together there, they worship, they fast, they pray, and as they're doing that, the Holy Spirit sets apart, says, set apart for me Saul and Barnabas, for the work to which I've called them. The church lays on their, hand, their hands on them and sends them out. And these kind of pinkish arrows are them going out. And what they did Paul and Barnabas were sent out from the church in Antioch and to these places down in Cyprus and up in Pisidian Antioch and Iconium and Lystra and Derbe and in all these places. You know what they're doing? They're making disciples. They're leading people to Jesus. Then they're gathering them together in churches. And these are places where the gospel had not yet gone at that point. The gospel was in Antioch, so God sends some of his people out from there take the gospel where it hasn't gone. And as the gospel spreads in these ways, disciples made, churches planted, and the glory of God is now known in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra and Derby and all these different places. And the blue areas uh, are them coming back to Antioch. And this is what God has designed for every local church to do, to be a part of The spread of the gospel, disciples made, and churches multiplied in places where the gospel is not yet gone. That is the means for accomplishing this goal. This is how the glory of God will spread among all the nations. By the great commission. That leads to truth number four. The great commission is not a general command. This is so important. Listen to every word here. The Great Commission is not a general command to make disciples and multiply churches among as many people as possible. The Great Commission is a specific command to make disciples and multiply churches among all the nations. So Jesus did not say, go and make disciples just right around you. Jesus didn't say that generally. He said specifically, make disciples of all the nations, of all the ethnic, of all the ethnic groups, all the peoples, tribes, languages in the world. I want disciples made in every single one of them, which is why, so I showed you this map right here from Acts chapter 13, them going out. Well, once they came back to Antioch and stayed there for a while encouraged the church, then what did the Spirit do? The Holy Spirit of God sent out Paul again. This time he went with Silas. They picked up Timothy on the way. And you'll notice they left Antioch here. They start traveling to some of the same places they had already been before where disciples have been made and churches have been planted. And then when you get to Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10, Paul starts to go one direction, another direction, and he has a uh, a vision from a man from Macedonia over here saying, come and help us. And Paul says, we concluded that God was calling us to take the gospel there. And so they travel up here. And what are they doing in Philippi and Thessalonica, down in Corinth, and over here in Ephesus? They're making disciples and multiplying churches in these places where the gospel had not yet gone. They travel back down to Jerusalem and then back up to Antioch, which then leads to a third journey that Paul goes out on, and again goes north, and you'll notice on this map, he doesn't go to any new places. He goes to the places he's already been. And when he travels all the way over here to Corinth, when he gets to Corinth, he sits down and writes a letter. And you'll never guess what letter it is. It's a letter to the church at Rome known as Romans, which is what? I read from Romans chapter 15, where Paul tells them from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, he's talking about the work he's done to proclaim the gospel in these areas. But if you remember what he said in Romans 15, he said, now that there's no more work for me to do in these regions, what a statement is that? No more work to do here? Like, did that mean everybody here in all these cities was a follower of Jesus? like, certainly not. He's writing from Corinth. Corinth was filled with all kinds of immorality. What he's saying is, disciples have been made in these places. Churches have been planted in these places. And he says, there's no more work here for me to do. I'm going on to spread the gospel where it hasn't gone. I'll show you one more map here. So this shows you Corinth right here. Here's Antioch over here. And here's Rome. So when Paul, after having traveled all throughout these regions... He gets to Corinth and he says, I'm going to Jerusalem to take an offering there to them, but then I'm gonna come to you in Rome. Why is he coming to Rome? He says, so that you can help me on my way to Spain. Why? Because nobody in Spain had heard the gospel yet. The whole picture here is the Spirit of God in the church is continually pushing leading, guiding the church to take the gospel to places where the gospel hasn't gone. Why? Because Jesus commanded us make disciples of all the nations. Disciples have been made in these places over here. They've not been made over here, which is why we must keep pressing on. The illustration I sometimes use, picture it almost like uh, a tornado. Remember in a couple of different places where I've lived in my life where tornadoes were more frequent Tornadoes are very different from like a hurricane, a big storm that hits a hurricane, it's a big storm that hits a large swath of land. Tornadoes are much more uh, discriminant. I mean, they can come through and, and hit one house and not the house right next to it. They can hit one neighborhood and not the neighborhood next to it. So imagine with me that a tornado comes through and ravages a particular area. Just this neighborhood there, this neighborhood there, this neighborhood there, one way over here. And imagine you are head of rescue operations on the ground, and You and your team get to the first neighborhood that's been affected by this tornado, and as soon as you get there, you realize there are more needs to be met in this neighborhood than you and your team can even begin to meet. More people to be rescued than you can even begin to do. And then you hear there's another neighborhood 20 miles away that has a ton of needs, and then another neighborhood 50 miles away that has a ton of needs there. But you realize if you scatter your team from here, to go to that neighborhood, that next neighborhood that's 20 miles away, you're gonna lose time and energy traveling there when you could be rescuing people here. And then maybe you even hear that that neighborhood 50 miles away is resistant to any help. And if you and your team try to go help them, they will actually work against you. They don't want you to come help. So if you're just using logic, then as head of rescue operation on the ground, what do you do? You stay right here in this neighborhood. And you help save as many people as you can. You don't divide your resources and lose time going to this neighborhood and you don't risk your lives going to that neighborhood when they don't even want you to come there. The only reason why you would leave this neighborhood, scatter some of your resources to send some people to 20 miles away and even some to 50 miles away is if your commander on high said, I want people rescued from every single neighborhood. And if that was the case, then you would say, okay, some of us are gonna work for rescue here, some of us are gonna go 20 miles away, and some of us are gonna go to that neighborhood 50 miles away, even though there's gonna be resistance. We're gonna do everything we can to bring rescue there. And in this picture, I want you to see what Jesus has commanded us to do as his church. He has not just commanded us to make disciples in Metro Washington, D.C. or Santa Ana. He has commanded us to make disciples of all the peoples, of all the nations in the world. All the languages, tribes, every one of them. Even the ones that are hardest to reach. Here's why this is so important. Let me show you this map. This map shows the progress of the gospel by people group, by ethnic group, by nation in that sense. And when you look at this map, the areas that are green on this map are the areas where disciples have been made and churches have been planted. Obviously, that does not mean that everybody in these green areas is a follower of Jesus. There's so many who don't know Christ in the green. But by God's grace, the gospel has gone to these places. Disciples have been made, churches have been planted in these places. The areas that are yellow on this map represent areas where there's a more formative or nominal nominal church. What that means is the church is just starting there or the church is significantly waning there to the point where there's very little uh, gospel proclamation. A small number of disciples made and churches planted. And then the areas that are red represent areas that are unreached, or least reached by the gospel. And those are areas where There are little to no followers of Jesus at all. And most people in the red, relatively, it's not, that doesn't mean there aren't any churches, there aren't any disciples there, there are some. But most people in the red areas will be born and live and die. And no one will ever share the gospel with them. They don't have churches around them that are proclaiming the gospel. They don't have Christians around them who know the gospel. Millions upon millions of people, in fact, estimated about 3 billion in those red areas classified as unreached by the gospel doesn't just mean lost doesn't just mean apart from god and sin that's true in california true in metro washington dc it's true anywhere in the world the difference is there's access to the gospel around santa ana there's access to the gospel in metro washington dc we're talking about places where there's no access to the gospel now you look at that map, I want to tell you one other fact. Not opinion, fact. Well over 90% of missions resources, some say 97 to 99%, and so I'm just gonna make it as general as possible. Well, well over 90% of missions resources from the church in the church different places in the world, actually goes to areas that are green on this map. In other words, where do we do missions work? We do a ton in Latin America, South America, Sub-Saharan Africa, as the church. I wanna be careful, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do work alongside brothers and sisters there, we absolutely should. But I am saying, we are fooling ourselves if we think we're making disciples of the nations when we're ignoring the nations with the least access to the gospel. We are not obeying Jesus' command to make disciples of all the nations. And the reason we're not is because these are the hardest to reach, they're the most difficult to reach, they're the dangerous to reach, where there will be a lot of resistance. But the Great Commission is a specific command to us as the church to make disciples and multiply churches among all the nations. So you put all this together, truth number five, that means if we are not, you and I, as followers of Jesus in our churches, we're not living and dying to spread God's glory among all the nations, then we are disobeying the Great Commission and we are disregarding the goal of God. I say that again. I hope it's clear based on these four other truths. If we're not living and dying for this to see the gospel and the glory of God spread among all the nations in our lives, our families, with our the way we're raising our kids, or we're thinking about our careers, The way we think about our churches, if we're not doing this, then we are disobeying the great commission Jesus gave to us and disregarding the very goal of our God. So what do you do with this? How do we we live and die toward this end? Here's how. So three exhortations. So we'll hit these quick, but just let them soak in. So this means we pray passionately for God's glory among all nations, every single one of us. Does your prayer life reflect a zeal for the spread of God's glory among all the nations? I encourage you, pray like this, passionately, to download the Joshua Project Unreached of the Day app. It's a simple way, just every day, to pray for an unreached people group. You can be a part of what God's doing in Somalia and North Korea and Iran from your from your bed, before you even get up in the morning, you can join with God in what he's doing, by praying like this. Pray passionately for God's glory among all the nations. Give sacrificially for God's glory among all the nations. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If we put all of our treasure and more stuff in this world, we're missing the whole point. Put your treasure in the spread of God's glory in the world. That's why he's given us wealth in the first place, for the spread of his worldwide worship. Don't view money, resources like the world views money and resources. We're living for another world. We're here on this world for the spread of his glory among all the nations. So spin like it, sacrifice like it. Give cheerfully, generously, sacrificially, and gloriously for the spread of God's glory among all the nations. And then go boldly for God's glory among all the nations. Go boldly, starting right where you live. So yes, make disciples wherever we live. Notice Acts 13, God called Paul and Barnabas to go out. He didn't call everybody from Antioch to go out. So I'm not saying everybody should pack their bags and move. Although I would say with 3 billion people in the world who have little to no access to the gospel, God's calling many more people to pack their bags and move. But regardless, we make disciples wherever we live, where he has us right now. We make disciples of the nations. Look for even how God has brought unreached people groups to us. So don't reach people who are just like you with the gospel. Reach all kinds of people around you with the gospel. Make disciples for the nations, meaning as you lead people to Jesus, lead them to have God's heart for the nations and to live to so let the global cause of Christ dictate everything they think, desire, and do. Make disciples like that, Calvary Santa Ana. Make disciples like that, where every single member of the church, his heart is beating, her heart is beating for the spread of God's glory among all the nations. It's driving the way they pray, the way they give, the way they live, the way they share the gospel right where they are, and then making disciples wherever God leads. Believing that God is going to send many more out from Calvary Santa from church I pastors. going to send many more out to spread the gospel where it hasn't gone. And there's all kinds of ways we can do that. We talk about short-term, mid-term, long-term. There's the opportunities to go short-term to those places in the red and be a part of the spread of the gospel. Mid-term, I Think about, think more like a couple months to a couple of years. If if Mormons are raising their children with the expectation that when they graduate high school they're gonna spend a year spreading a false gospel around the world, why are we not raising our children with that same expectation, with the true gospel, to take the gospel to the nations? Like every single student, single college student graduate before you finish college at some point spend at least a couple of summer if not a semester for a year or for a year or more spreading the gospel somewhere where it hasn't gone retirees and there are opportunities for you to spend uncle Sam's money spreading the gospel around the world instead of playing golf wherever you like there's much better ways to spend our last days before we see our savior's face so midterm, and then long term, like packing the bags and moving, God's gonna call many to do that and think along those lines as a vocation or through a vocation, meaning God may call some to leave jobs for the spread of the gospel around the world. God may call others to leverage jobs for the spread of the gospel around the world. Opportunities to do teaching, medicine, engineering, so many ma- multinational companies. What if God has designed the globalization of today's marketplace for the spread of his glory among the nations? I know one organization with a couple of thousand medical jobs right now for nurses, doctors, of all kinds, right in the heart of the Middle East. Like, Why default to working in places where the gospel has already gone? Why not open our eyes to places where the gospel hasn't already gone? It's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to let his global cause Dictate everything we think, desire, this is, and do. This is such a different way to live in this world. To view your life through this lens. But I want to submit to you based on the word of God, this is exactly how God is calling you and me to live. This is the goal of God. This is the goal of your life, the goal of my life. This is the goal of his church. So are we going to be his disciples? Are we going to live for what he has called us to live for. God, I, I pray for every single person within the sound of my voice right now, I pray that you would captivate their hearts with your great glory and your Grand goal in all the world. And God, I pray that you would help every person within the sound of my voice. One, to know and enjoy your glory to the full just in their own life. And God, to live for the spread of your glory and the enjoyment of your glory among all the nations however you lead. God, I pray that for years to come, if I could be so bold, oh God, that for years to come from now, that many who have not been reached by the gospel will be reached because of how your spirit spoke in this moment. In Jesus, name I pray. Amen.
2: Ah. <laughs> wow. Um, just want to give us a moment just in this. Quiet space to just be with the Lord, our God, our King, our Savior, and to consider the words that were just shared. So just take a moment and close your eyes and just open your heart to God. And ask the Lord, God, as a result of everything I just heard, what is your spirit impressing On my heart. Just take 30 seconds, hear from him. And ask the Lord, Lord, how are you calling me to respond? Does something pop in your head quickly? God, what are you calling me to as a disciple of you? What does it look like for me to go? 'Cause we're all called to go. What's your calling on my life, particularly? Lord, have our hearts speak to us. Amen. I love that his application at the end is so in line with how Calvary in our missions, we we've been talking about praying, giving and going as three fundamental ways that we can participate in the great commission. We all can pray and just for a moment think about the fact that we have the ability to pray to our God. Like that's amazing. I think we forget that sometimes. That we have an approachable God. We can pray on behalf of others. We can intercede for others, for missionaries and for the lost. So we can pray and some of us need to give financially to support those who are going, to support the cause and all of us need to go in some way. And I encourage you this week to extend this prayer that you just did. Be intentional about your walk with Jesus. Spend an hour with him praying and considering the Great Commission and what it looks like for you particularly to go, because I think if all of us go in the way that God's calling us, He's going to be the one to equip us to change Orange County and to change the world for His name, and the world needs to hear, and our lives are too short to not do it. That's all) <laughs>
0: Yeah, and just a couple of practical tools we want to give you is if you check the slide here, you'll see that if you go to calvarylife.org reach, you can sign up for our weekly prayer email. And the goal for us is to send this out every Thursday at 10.02, which is another little prompter to pray. 10.02 every morning for more workers in the harvest. But you can sign up part of our email. And this is a week-to-week update of specific ways that you can pray for our 90 partners around the world. And then in my hand is our 2021 prayer booklet. And in this, our missionaries have listed ways that you can pray for them this year in a pandemic year. And so you can pick these up today as you leave, if you're on campus or outside, you can pick that up at our white tent uh, out in the courtyard. We'd love to get this in your hands today to be a resource to be praying. If you're watching online, you can come by the campus sometime this week, pick this up or in the next few weeks, we'd love to get every single person passionately praying for those that have been sent out from Calvary Church. And as Aaron said, we call you to give. Uh, There's two main buckets here of how we give at Calvary Church financially. The first bucket is our general fund, and that goes towards all the resources of reaching Orange County with the good news of Jesus. The second bucket is what we call our reach or missions fund. And we're asking above and beyond what you normally give to the general fund, to your normal tithe. Above and beyond that, you would give towards what God wants to do around the world through Calvary Church. And I just want to be really real with you. We're family here. We have cut our financial budget the last two years here at Calvary in the REACH area. And I would love this year to do the opposite I would love to increase and to grow that. And so that we can send more workers and we can have a bigger, larger impact on the 16,000 ethnic groups in this world. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. And so you can give today, but you can give not just today. It's not spontaneous. Give this year towards what God is doing uh, around the world. So come see us at the tent. Pick up a prayer booklet. Sign up for the email. We'd love to get you involved.
2: Let's pray, Uh, go and stand with me as we pray and offer ourselves to the Lord this time. Father, I am humble, Lord, that you use us as vessels to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. God, it's by your spirit that you lead us and guide us. And so I pray that your spirit would stir in our hearts this morning, Lord, that we would hear your voice ever so clearly, that any lies we hear would flee in your name, Lord, and that we would hear only your voice, your gentle, still voice, Lord, and that we would receive that, Lord, in love. And that, God, we would be courageous, to go and to share and to be obedient to wherever you're calling us, Lord. May we be a people of prayer. May we be a people who give and sacrifice financially. May we be a people who go literally to our neighbors, who go across the nations, Lord, to spread your good news. God, we need you. The world needs you. So may we lean into this formation and may your spirit be the one to fill us so that we can pour out in love and pour out the good news of Jesus Christ. It is in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.